This is Understanding Money, and I am Owen McGee. This is the podcast that takes the real news, the big news, the complicated news, and tries to simplify it. We do that by meeting with experts, by having chats with people like you who are listeners and bringing it all together. And then, most importantly, I'm going to try and give you your takeaways. What's the stuff that you need to take from that to apply to yourself? There's lots going on outside the front door, but what can you do inside your front door? Today is all about inflation. Inflation has been in the news everywhere. And really, it's been going on a long time and we're a bit bored of it at this stage. But where are we at? First of all, let's try and take a look at how we got here. Inflation is something that we need and people kind of don't really understand that, often don't understand that. Why do we need inflation? Inflation is the measure of how much something cost a year ago versus how much it costs today. So for example, you walked into a shop this time last year, you bought a basket of goods. This time this year, today, one year on, you walk into the same shop, you buy the same basket of goods. What's the difference in the price? So if it cost €100 last year and it's costing €106 now for the same goods in the same shop... That's 6% inflation. We're trying to get 2% inflation. But let's address that question first. Why can't we just leave it the same? Why can't it just stay at 100 euro? Why isn't that the goal? Imagine you're sitting at home tonight. You're with your partner. There's two of you. And you decide you want to get a pizza. And you decide, you know what? There's two of us. Let's get a 10-inch pizza. You eat the pizza. You're happy. You're satisfied. Great. A week from now... You're sitting at home with your partner and your friends arrive. Two other people, there's four of you now, and you decide to get a pizza. Are you going to go for the 10-inch? Unlikely. Let's say you go for the 12-inch. Everyone eats, everyone's happy, everyone's satisfied. Now, imagine the pizza is the economy. If we weren't growing, if our demographics, if the world wasn't getting bigger, if there wasn't people moving from, particularly in in emerging markets and third world economies, where people are moving from lower incomes to middle incomes, where they're starting to consume more goods, if the population of the world wasn't getting bigger, we might be able to stick with the economy being a 10-inch pizza. But as we expand, as we grow, as demand increases, we need the economy to grow with it so that there's enough for everybody. 2% is the goal. That's what the European Central Bank use interest rates to do. They try and get inflation at 2%. But we've been running away for the last little while. 6, 8, 10. In fact, I was looking at some stats that say Venezuela has had over 400% inflation in the last 12 months. These numbers are very damaging to your pocket. When you think about it, you bought a basket of goods this time last year for 100 euros. It's now 106 euros. That's really difficult for people to take. But inflation affects different people in different ways. Imagine you earn 200 euros a week. You're on social welfare. Let's round the numbers off. It's 200 euros a week that you're on. And your basket of goods goes from 100 to 106 euros. That's a big chunk of your 200 euro. Or let's imagine that you're on 2,000 euros a week and your basket of goods goes from 100 to 106. It's the same measure of inflation. It's the same 6 euro extra, but it doesn't have the same impact on your income. It doesn't have your same impact on the rest of the money that you have left to live off. Remember, when the European Central Bank are moving interest rates up and down, they only have a single mandate. And that mandate 
is to use interest rates to control inflation to try and get it at or near 2% per year. In the States, it's slightly different. The European Central Bank is what operates in Europe and affects us here in Ireland. But in the States, they have the Federal Reserve. The Federal Reserve is the same as the ECB, more or less. And what they can use interest rates for is to control inflation and try and get near 2% or to spur on the economy. They have a dual mandate. The European Central Bank only have a single mandate and that's to try and keep inflation at 2%. And I would argue that keeping inflation at 2% really benefits the economy. But when inflation starts to go up and goes up at a much higher rate than that, it affects people in a very unequal way. And the European Central Bank have a responsibility to bring it back down to 2% to try and protect those people who are most vulnerable in society, where people who are really struggling financially because it affects them more. And when you think about it, where we've been for the last little while, where we've gone with Inflation running at 6 and 8%. How does that actually affect you on a day-to-day basis? And how does the European Central Bank change interest rates make any difference? What the drivers of inflation are in its simplest form is demand and supply. If demand goes up for something and supply stays the same, more people want it than the stuff that's available. So let's imagine, I don't know, I have a phone and I have one phone available and 10 people are looking to buy that phone, I can more or less decide how much I'm going to charge for that and I'm going to increase the price. That's business. But let's say I have 20 phones and only 10 people are looking for it. I'll probably have to reduce the price because I have more supply than demand. Demand and supply and the relationship between the two of them is going to push prices up or push prices down. And what's happened to us over the last 10 years, in my opinion, there's been three factors that have been involved here. The first was 2008, the global financial crisis. After the global financial crisis happened, if you're too young or you weren't working, I'm absolutely envious of you. But basically what happened was banks failed and governments around the world basically decided, you know what we're going to do here? We're going to print money. We're going to make new money. And what happens if you flush extra money into the economies? Demand goes up. There's more money there. Demand goes up. And therefore, the supply doesn't keep up with it then the prices of things are going to go up. So that's one factor. There's a lot of kind of conspiracy theorists out there that say it's the only factor and they did it on purpose. And the argument that they did it on purpose might hold some merit because you have to remember, during the global financial crisis and even during COVID recently, what happened was governments borrowed a lot of money. Where you've got a lot of inflation, the value of that borrowing, how much you borrowed, becomes less and less valuable and therefore it's easier to pay back. So there's a bit of conspiracy theory about that but the facts are we printed a lot of money globally we printed a lot of money that increases the amount of money in circulation that increases demand and if supply doesn't keep up with it that's going to have a knock-on effect with inflation. So that's factor one that's causing our inflation issue. Factor two is the humanitarian situation in Ukraine. We cannot avoid the fact that energy and food supplies, and energy we're going to talk to Merrill Lynch in a little while about, but energy and food supplies have been constricted as a result of what's going on in Ukraine. That's affected supply. Demand is made the same, but the supply isn't available. And particularly with energy and the restriction of energy coming into Europe in particular, energy flows through into everything, as Merrill will explain to us later on. And that's driven up costs as well. But also... What we know about world economies in general is every three to five years, we're going to have what the media will call a stock market crash. What I call a temporary decline. It's a decline and it's temporary. And what we know about that is, is markets are cyclical, but so too is the economy. It's cyclical. It 
pushes on a bit, steps back a bit. Usually what happens when one of these temporary decline happens is it gradually opens up. So demand increases, supply increases with it. Demand increases, supply increases with it. Imagine from economic terms what COVID looked like. Everything was shut. Everything was open again. Demand was zero. Demand was 100%. And if you try to look for a physical manifestation of that, think about what the airports looked like last year. The demand shot through and the supply, the service wasn't there to get the people through the airport and we were all queuing outside in tents, globally. So there's three factors involved. There's the demand supply issue from COVID, there's the Ukrainian humanitarian issue, and then maybe there's a bit of printing money has caused us a problem. That's how we've got here. That's where we're at right now. But remember, when interest rates are going up and down, it's to try and get inflation at 2%. That's the goal, to protect the most vulnerable in our society the people who don't have the money, that six euros out of their 200 is having a major impact on them. So when your mortgage interest rates are going up, just think about that element of it. The other thing, how interest rates work to control inflation is if your interest rates go up and your mortgage repayments go up, you have less money to spend on discretionary stuff. And ultimately, there's less money going around because you're paying more for mortgages. But the second impact on that is businesses. When interest rates go up, lending becomes more difficult and therefore businesses don't grow as fast as they would have otherwise because they don't have the same access to credit and it also contributes to 2%. So that's where we're at. But let's go a little bit deeper. Let's get an expert opinion instead of my opinion of where we're at right now. I'm going to talk to Dr. Mirren Lynch in a moment. Mirren has a great ability at taking complicated stuff and making it really simple for all of us to understand. Mirren at the moment is actually in Princeton and I recorded this interview with her last week. I was in the States, she was in the States. We did it very, very early in the morning. But I think that she gives us an insight that maybe we haven't seen before. So let's go and have a chat with Mirren. Mirren, what are you doing in the States? If you, if you can tell us, what are you doing in the States at the moment? Sure. So in the States, I'm working in Johns Hopkins University in the Department of Environmental and Public Health Engineering, and I'm doing electricity market modeling, which is my favorite thing to do because the maths are really fun. The results are always counterintuitive and uh, policymakers are crying out for more results. That's not to say they always apply our results, but um, there's a lot of fun ideas as to how do we fix electricity markets. And it's really fun to be able to to model that. When our inflation has really started to rise. Energy was a big part of it. My figure, maybe you have a different number, but 30% of the pay rises is the number. That the increase in costs was being driven by the fact that energy was gone up in costs. And whether that's true, I'm hoping you'll answer the, the question whether that was true restriction coming out of Russia, whether it was directly related to Ukraine. But tell us how we got there. How was it that the price of something in the shop had gone up so much and 30% of the reason or the cause of that was energy? Yeah, okay, so... Maybe we'll talk first about why did energy prices go up and then why did all the other prices go up? So energy prices actually started to go up before Ukraine. Um, And the reason they started to go up was it was kind of a COVID effect. So what was happening was over COVID, there were some energy infrastructure, particularly some gas storage, that kind of thing, which just wasn't being maintained to the same extent because people were in lockdown and we weren't doing the kind of maintenance we needed to do. So there were some pressures on the supply side. So there was kind of less supply available. And then as we came out of lockdown, demand kicked up in the economy, which meant that people wanted to do more stuff, people wanted to run more machines, people wanted to drive more trucks. So the demand for energy went up. So when the supply goes down and the demand goes up at the same time, that results in a price increase. And we actually saw those price increases before Ukraine. Then once Ukraine happened, everything went haywire because there were restrictions on gas exports, particularly from Russia, 
And that just meant that the whole world had to come to a new equilibrium, we call it. But it meant that energy companies suddenly were facing supply crunches. So that pressure on supply sent energy prices way up. Now, energy is what we call a pure input good, okay? So what we mean by this, Owen, is nobody just wants a litre of petrol to just stick on their mantelpiece and admire, okay? Nobody just wants energy for the sake of it. The only reason you want energy is to do something else with it. So, and this applies whether it's something like petrol or diesel or whether it's something like electricity. You want it to burn something or to run something or to consume another service. But what that means is that if you want to sell anything, you had to use some energy to make it happen. You had to use some energy to make the good, to transport the good, or even services. So something like if you go to the cinema, somebody needs the electricity to run the cinema to keep it going. And that means that if the price of this input good goes up, then you have to raise the price at which you sell your good or service in order to cover that cost. So when the price of any good goes up, that can put upward pressure across the economy, but particularly if the price of an input good like energy goes up because it's reflected in prices across the board. So really what I'm hearing from you there is, is when we're looking at, oh, my price of my electricity and my gas at home has gone up, that's really impacting me. It's costing me more to turn on the lights and heat the house during the winter. But there's the other impact of that is, is the chef who's cooking in the restaurant, their prices have gone up, but so too has the cost of getting the fruit and veg delivered in the truck and the production that was do- went into that before. So it's the whole supply chain has increased in cost, driving everything up in cost, and it just has a knock-on impact. When, when you say that, and I, I, I respect the fact that your area of expertise is energy, right? But was then, can we blame all of this inflation on energy or were there other factors at play as well as the driving, driving up prices that was being caused as a result of the energy situation? So some of it was also just that increase in demand after COVID as well. So even if energy prices hadn't gone up at all, whenever you have an increase in demand, that tends to push up prices, at least in the short run, until supply eventually catches up. So there was a little bit of that going on. And then one thing that governments in general are very afraid of is this wage price spiral. So what happens there is the chef's electricity bill has gone up. And so the chef wants an increase in her in her pay packet in order to be able to meet her electricity bill. So that means the restaurant has to increase their wage bill, which means that the restaurant has to pass on higher prices, which means that you and I want an increase in our wages in order to pay the restaurant bill. So you get this spiral. So you get prices go up. So people want their wages to go up, which means prices go up, which means people want their wages to go up. So that can kick in as well. Now we've seen in some of the really bad hyperinflation and just kind of the really high inflation eras of the past, that wage price spiral. So governments are aware of it now and they really want to guard against it. But having said that, you can't have no wage increases because people need to survive. Um, And especially when the labor market is very tight. So what we mean by that is especially when there are not many, when there are loads and loads of people available for all the jobs available, there's kind of downward pressure on wages. But when there are not many people available for the jobs, then people can kind of ask for what they want. So Governments have been quite quite wary of that, but we have seen wages going up in Ireland and other countries as well. Okay, where do from here? Where, where does it go? Like I have thoughts in my head that inflation, based on some of the models, that inflation should be heading towards two percent again, which is a healthy level by twenty twenty five. I don't know if you agree or disagree or have an opinion even on that, but do you get any sense that we are peaking off or we're going to have a, have a plateau for a little while about where we're at, or do you have any opinion on it? The the models from the likes of the central bank and that kind of thing do seem to suggest that 
inflation in 2024 will be higher than its long run average, but lower than what we've been seeing. And yeah, it'll be 2025 by the time things get back to the to the 2%, which is what we tend to target. What is the long game? A lot of it kind of comes down to we'll, we'll see inflation tail off first, but that's really in response to the fact that we've seen really steep increases in interest rates by the European Central Bank and by other central banks. So the long game that everyone's really interested in is when will we get rid of the hikes in interest rates and when will we see them return to more normal levels? Because people see that in their mortgage payments or and that also feeds through to the rental market, which is a huge part of household expenditure. And then it has knock on impacts across the economy. Realistically, we're going to have to see prices stable off before we see any decreases in interest rates. So in the long run, it might be a good while before we get back to the lower interest rates we were seeing. But a lot of that just depends on how economic growth in general picks up or not, because certainly in the likes of the United States and in the United Kingdom, they tend to keep an eye not just on inflation, but also on economic growth when setting those interest rates. And nobody wants to get into a situation where we have a global recession because they're not fun either, right? No, absolutely. There was a lot of talk this time last year that we were going to have blackouts in Ireland. We didn't get there. Is that gone? No. The, the um, thought of blackouts? Oh, the thought of blackouts? I don't, yeah. I mean, we got through last winter. Um, this winter coming could also be tricky, but we have got some emergency generators. So um, I would hope that blackouts, we will avoid them this winter like we did last winter. But what is not gone is fear of the unknown. This is well known across psychology that people prefer certainty to uncertainty, all else equal. So I do think that we're going to continue to see that in all of our policies. We just want to minimize the shocks as much as possible. And by shock, I mean <gasps> a shock. <laughs> I don't just mean an economic shock. I mean like getting that big shocking bill or that, something like that. That's what we want to minimize. Excellent. Okay. Marin, thank you very much for joining us today. I really appreciate your time and I hope you enjoyed the next couple of months in the States. Thanks, Emil. The last day we met Amanda from Prosperous. Today I'm joined by Fiona in Prosperous and Fiona is responsible for the client services team. And to translate that for everyone, what that means is if you're taking out a product or you need to change stuff with a product or anything to do with servicing clients, you're responsible for that team. And that's what you do with us in Prosperous. So thanks for joining us today, Fiona. No problem. I know you were dumped this job on Friday <laughs> afternoon because Amanda's off on holidays, but uh, I appreciate you stepping in. And what we're going to go through is the Q&A. So I, over the weekend, actually towards the end of last week, I put a question box up on my, in relation to inflation, up on my Instagram. Lots of people got in touch and I asked certain people, would they be able to just send that as a voice note? And people have obliged but I haven't actually listened to them and genuinely haven't listened to them. So we're going to see what we have. So I think we've narrowed it down to three. Is that right? That's right, is that what yeah. you picked? Yeah, okay. absolutely. Right, Thanks let's see. Let's go with the number one, the first question. Hi, Owen. Just uh, my question about inflation is, I suppose we're decent income household. We budget, we shop around for everything. We've reduced spending. We're just about getting by. And so just wondering if there was any other tips or anything else that we should be following to, yeah, I suppose help us deal with inflation and to have a little bit more disposable income because it feels like it is dwindling fast. Thanks a million. It's interesting because when we started, when I with the start of the podcast today, I'm talking about the fact that it's affecting different people in different ways, right? And particularly if you're on a lower income, it's really hurting you mm. bad, but it does affect different people. And I know Mirren referenced that as well, that different people are affected. And one of the things we have to be conscious of is when it comes to inflation, there are different things that are going up, but not everything is going up. Yeah. 
And if you're lucky enough that you're in a bracket that you don't buy certain things and it goes up, if you don't buy X, mm-hmm. right, and X goes up by 50%, you don't buy it in the first place, so yeah. it doesn't make a difference to you. But what I find interesting about that question or that, that last listener, they're on a good salary is what they've mm-hmm. described themselves as. And when someone says they're on a good salary, they're usually on a good salary, yeah. right? So they're on a good salary, but they're still feeling the pinch. Mm-hmm. And it just shows you how deep and how broad that yeah. disinflation problem has caused us. What do you do about it? Like... Ultimately, you're in a position where the person seems to be keeping an eye on where their money is going in terms of they've switching bills, they're doing all of that. Mm-hmm. What I think people need to be aware of is, is that, in particularly in a situation like that, this, in my opinion, is the new norm. Okay, mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is, is that where we're at right now, hopefully inflation is starting to slow down in terms of it's starting to decrease. But when stuff goes up in cost, it goes up and it's unlikely it's going to come back down again. So that person really needs to look at their overall spend and say, okay, what stuff is it that I can do without? Mm. What, maybe luxuries or is it just... Yeah, luxuries is a big part of it. And everyone says, oh, you're a financial planner and you just must be miserable, right? I'm not talking about draining the life out of yourself. Like those people are making good salaries, which would suggest they're working hard. But what stuff has just crept into their life that mm. they could just get out of and get, and really remove it from their spending. Because if they're doing the things like the electricity bills, mm-hmm, if they're doing the exactly. things like the, they've looked at their mortgage and they've looked at all their outgoings, well then, the dwindling fast at the end really caught me because that would suggest yeah. to me that they're dipping into savings. Yes, yeah. And that's where someone who's on a good wage maybe accumulated a bit of savings, my big concern for them is, is that they're dwindling the savings thinking that this is temporary. This mm-hmm. is not temporary. Maybe they've let new habits creep in. Yeah. And lifestyle creep is a big mm. problem for a lot of people. As their wages go up, their lifestyle expands to the income that they yes. have. Yeah. And what I would say there is, is that I'd like them to have a good chat with each other and say, OK, if this is our new normal, yeah. what has to change? Yeah. Because if they are dwindling in mm-hmm. their savings and dipping into their yeah. savings and it's dwindling, they need to really decide, OK, what needs to what change on the big stuff. Yeah. What's going to make a difference? Yeah. And do you think I'm being harsh there, Fiona? No, like I think I think a lot of people feel that way. You know, things have increased in terms of the basics, like shopping, clothes, things that you'd buy on a on a weekly basis, or even mm. you know your your day to day stuff. So I know things can creep in and become normal. So I suppose it's just about evaluating yeah. what has creeped in and what can change. And I think the message I would give to that person, if you're dipping into savings, which it sounds like you are, you really need to adjust your spending to mm. decide right this is what and what's really important to me and if three holidays a year is really yeah. important to you yeah. go after those three yeah. holidays and, and lock them in yeah. but you need to find somewhere else somewhere to pull else. it back out yeah. pull it back yeah. and I'm not saying where you need to because that's an no, individual absolutely. decision absolutely yeah, yeah. yeah let's go for another one Hi Owen, just wondering if you think inflation is having much of an impact on building and the cost of new builds. At the moment, uh, we're at a crossroads whether we're wondering whether we should continue to try hold off and see how things fare out in the next year or two or should we just be biting the bullet and going ahead if it's not really going to make too much of a difference. Thanks. What do you think the actual question is there? Should they be holding off? Should they be holding off building a house? I think that's like, you could nearly take that as a broad question, holding off buying a house as well because of the prices have just gone through the roof. So I think just with the cost and materials and things like that, she's probably wary as to whether that might pull back because it's so expensive. Okay. The first thing I'd say, let's actually, you're right. I think we should be talking about both sides of it, Mm. building or buying. The information is probably the same. Uh, the, The advice is probably the same. The reality is, is if the cost of building the house has gone from 100 euro a square foot to 110 euros mm-hmm. a square foot, the only way it's coming back down again to 105 euros a square foot 
is, and I'm making those numbers up by the yeah. way, they're not, yeah. they're not actual technical <laughs> numbers, right? I'm just rounding the numbers Don't up. Don't look that up. <laughs> yeah. So it gone from 100 to 110. For it to come back down to 105 means we go into a deflationary environment. Yeah. Mm. And we don't want that. Deflation is, and particularly heavy deflation, is as damaging as the rise in interest mm-hmm. rate, or rise in inflation costs. So if you have minus six, it's as bad as, if not worse than plus six. Yeah. And the reason why it's potentially worse is because if stuff starts dropping in price, right? Yeah. You as a buyer, you're sitting on the sideline and you're going, oh, it was 100 euros now. Mm-hmm. And then it was 100 euros last week and it's 98 euros this week. Sure, if I wait another week, it'll be 96. Exactly, yeah. And then people stop spending money in the economy mm-hmm. and lots of purchasing decisions get pushed back and that can be really, really damaging for an yeah. economy. Um, so what I would say is, is, I do think, and I know I'm repeating myself in the first question, but I do think we have a new floor. Mm-hmm. And therefore, the question is, is, is it going to continue to rise over the next two yeah. years or is it going to stay the same? Yeah. Because we have other problems if it, if it drops dramatically. Yeah. Now, there are certain factors in there, like the cost of timber, the cost of yes. this and the material goods mm-hmm. that are a bit more up and down. Like, I think the easier one for everyone to resonate with is the price of diesel at the petrol yes. pump. That goes up and yes. down and economies don't fall apart yeah. when it goes yeah. down. So there's a little bit more of a factor involved there. Mm-hmm. Anecdotally, I've been speaking to people in the building trade who say say it's cheaper now than it was twelve months ago mm. to to build a house. Yeah. Now that's anecdotal. I don't mm-hmm. have any research to back that yeah. up. But what I would say is that person needs to be pricing it. Yeah. But it's the same advice to that person as it is to the person who's buying a new home yeah. or buying a first home in particular. My rules are always the same when it comes to that. We're going to do a, a piece on property next in the next episode. But just very quickly. If you're going to buy a home or you're going to build a home, yeah. first of all, it needs to be one that you love. Yeah. Building makes it easier to yeah. love it, right? Regardless, because yeah. you're building it to yeah. your spec, right? But buying or building, what needs to be one you love, it needs to be one that you're happy to stay in for 15 years. The reason for 15 years is recently we had numbers that showed us that since 2007, the price of a three bedroom house has now been equal to where we were right. in 2007. That's roughly 15, yeah. 16 years. So mm-hmm. if you're willing to keep it for 15 years, it doesn't matter yeah. what happens house prices yeah. or the price of timber between now and then, yeah. you're going to be yeah. okay. Okay. But the third and the most important thing is that you can afford it. Mm-hmm. And if that person has their life, if we go back to the person who's trying yeah. to build, that person has their life on hold yeah. at the moment in the hope that prices are going to yeah. fall off a cliff, but they yeah. can afford to do it yeah. now. Do it. Just do it because yeah. it's a house you love, it's a house you can afford and it's a house you're willing to stay in for yeah. 15 years. It's the exact same person if you've got mortgage approval and you're looking to buy. Yeah. If you love it, you're willing to stay in it long term and you can afford it. Yeah. Do it because what happens house prices in the short term doesn't matter to you then. Yeah, I think people are just nervous just because it's... They are nervous. It's easier, I think, though, for the self-build because mm-hmm. if you're building it yourself, True. you if you buy a three-bedroom house yeah. in an estate, right... And you pay 300,000 euros for today. Mm-hmm. And let's say property prices drop. It yeah. doesn't matter what over, over a period. Your next door neighbour buys yeah. the exact same house yeah. for 250. It hurts. Yeah. But you can still afford it. You yes. still love it. And you're willing yeah. to stay in it long term. Yeah. Whereas with a self-build, it's much easier. Yeah. You don't like you don't walk into your local shop and get yeah. reminded of how much the price no. of timber is no. all the time. No, you're so, building it to your specifications. Exactly. And it's, it's unique. And therefore, yeah. it's it's less important. So the affordability is massive for that yeah. person. Yeah. Have I missed that in there? I don't think so. No, I think you've covered it off. It's... It is a tricky one because, you know, you can't predict the future, but, mm. you know, you can only go on what's right at this time. So You live in Kildare. You must have mates that have built recently or yeah. in the last couple of years. Yeah, a couple building at the moment. Yeah. And how are they finding it? Very difficult. Yeah. With more so even just the sourcing and getting the commitment from builders and suppliers. So 
it is difficult. Even mm. it, there's still demand there, even with mm. the the hike in prices. So, and is it taking them much longer than they expected? Yes. How could you put any time frame on that for us? Like, what do they think it was well, going to I take? Well, I suppose the permit, the planning permission process is is quite lengthy at the moment. So that alone, I suppose, has I don't think they expected the delays in that. So getting to this point where they can actually put a bit of foundation down is has been a journey. So, well, but yeah, it's it's difficult. Well, have their prices, you know, close enough to know to them to know that their prices changed from what they originally expected to? Oh yeah, it's changed. Yeah, it? oh yeah, all gone up. Yeah, all right. completely. Okay. Yeah, so very, very much so. Okay. <laughs> Best house for the same money. Let's go for question yeah. three. Hey, Owen. Just wanted to drop a few questions in regards to the inflation post. First question, I suppose, is do you think that we'll ever see things go back to the way they were previously? I think we all know that companies love putting prices up, but they very rarely take them back down. So it just feels as if this is the new normal and we're just going to have to get used to it. And I suppose the second question I have is, although I work in a pretty large company, a Fortune 500 company, we are already seeing a reduction in the usual um, benefits, wage increases, bonuses, things like that. So it just feels that with the inflation pushing forward and maybe the expected bonuses being reduced or in fact removed, it just feels that the average person again is just going to fall further and further behind. I understand that companies can't just keep pumping out wage increases, but this is just, you know, very worrying. So just interested to hear your thoughts. Thanks. I think one of the things to say here is that, and I know I said this to Byrne, but I'm going to repeat it because I think it's important. Mm-hmm. If inflation runs at 10% and you get a 10% pay rise, well done. Yeah. You've beaten inflation. Yeah. But if everyone gets a 10% pay rise, mm-hmm. now the demand and the supply yeah. is what infl- drives inflation. Yeah. Demand has just jumped by 10% yeah. because everyone's got a 10% pay rise and therefore prices, it just goes into yeah. a spiral. Yeah. So, there is an element of we just have to accept that it's not good for the entire economy to get a pay rise mm-hmm. to keep pace with inflation. Yeah. And it's one of the warnings from European Central Bank to all of the countries within Europe. Be careful at local level what you're doing yeah. with taxes and with everything else yeah. to put more money in people's pockets. Yeah. You have to be balanced. And what I think government's role here and their task here is my example at the start, if you're making 200 a week and your shopping yeah. has gone from 100 to 106, well, then government have a responsibility to look after the most yeah. vulnerable in our society. Yeah. And interesting, I heard some stats recently that, and it was related to, to something slightly different. It was related to retrofitting people's houses yeah. from an energy consumption point yeah. of view. Well, what I found interesting was of the people that they surveyed of, from the general population, yeah. 75% of them felt that it was a good idea for government to spend money on social housing for people who are most vulnerable yeah. so that they didn't have to choose between heating and eating. Mm-hmm. And I I, what, I, what, what that suggests to me is, and I know I'm extrapolating yeah. a specific piece of research and putting it out onto the general population, but I do believe that the general population and society as a whole mm-hmm. will, would support government supporting yeah. the, the yeah. least well-off yeah. in our country and in, yeah. in our society. Yeah. And what I would say is, is that, yes, it's difficult for companies, um, for staff in companies who are saying, I have less money in real terms in my pocket now than I had this time last year. But... We have to be careful what we wish for. And that's mm-hmm. my concern. And what I would say is, is that any pay rise at all at the moment, um, remember, people think that we're making much more money. There's yeah. certain companies that make a lot more money. Mm. And we've seen some of the suggestions there where you made a massive amount of extra cash because the rise in, in, in costs, mm-hmm. um, like the yes, energy comp- companies, yeah. for example, they made significantly more profit. Some of them pumped that back in and gave yeah. it back to the people yeah. who were struggling most. 
But also we've seen things like all the talk of windfall taxes and those yeah. people have been taxed a bit heavier as a result of that. But in the main, most companies aren't making more money. Their costs have rise the same way your costs yeah. have risen as an employee. And therefore, they don't have it to pass it on. Yeah, and I think that's what that gentleman is saying. He's, you know, it sounds like he's his bonus was stopped. So, you know, maybe they're struggling, the company's struggling to to hold on to the jobs that they, they have. Yeah. So, And we are in a situation at the moment, like there's a lot of positivity out there. We've only got 4% unemployment, mm. right? What that means is, is that we more or less have full employment. Yeah. People who are available to work are working yeah. more yeah. or less. Yeah. And that's a really strong mm. figure. And what I would say there is, is that over time, those people who are working will start to catch up. But if it's all done in a one yeah. quick yeah. win, it could be really damaging to us. And inflation will slow down. And the suggestion is inflation has started to to at least level off across most of the big economies around the world. And therefore, we are in a better position now than we would have been six or 12 months ago. We've taken a lot of the hits. And watch your savings levels, watch your spending, um, watch how much you're eating into savings. And if you're eating into savings a lot, like we said to the first person, you need Mm -hmm. to just make some adjustments. But I don't believe the solution lies Mm -hmm. in Big pay rises across the board. Yeah. Am I missing that in there, Fiona? No, I think you've covered um, quite a broad basis of it there in terms of, you know, how it affects day-to-day people in terms of their shopping and and that gentleman or that lady who was thinking about building the house. Like, these are decisions people are making when Mm. we're going through this, you know, inflation uh, time. So I think it's the uncertainty for people. And if we can give any certainty to people, I can't like it's a, it's a crystal ball and lots of things exactly. can change. You can't see if you the can, future. If people can take anything from the discussions we've had with Mirren, what we're talking about here, the hope is and the figures would suggest that we're starting the end of these increases. It's steady. Yeah. And something ridiculous could happen next month and it all changes. Throw it up in the air again. But we are. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about where we're going to next. But Fiona, for now, thank Thank you very much for your time. Thanks for having me. We've had an interesting deep dive, pull out, have a look and see where inflation's at. And one of the things I'm even taking from just a conversation with Mirren and even the questions that we got in was inflation isn't equal. It's different things for different people. Some people who are on decent wages will be impacted in very insignificant ways. Or maybe they can't take their sixth holiday of the year or whatever it is. And then there's other people who are really struggling. I put all the responsibility on the government and on us as a society to support whatever government is making the decisions to help the most vulnerable in society get through this inflation situation. They need to be looked after more than anybody else does. And I don't think any of us will disagree with that, particularly when we see some research saying 75% of us don't disagree with that. But inflation is a difficult thing. It does squeeze all of us. Nobody's unaffected by inflation. And we need to accept that potentially we have a new floor here. This is where we're at. And if we don't have a new floor, if prices are going to fall down and drop and fall off a cliff, we have bigger problems going on in the world. So we have to be careful what we wish for. This is complicated. It's interesting to a point. It's affecting us. But what can we do about it? Where do we go to next? Let's assume we're not getting pay rises because we see the impact it has if everyone gets a pay rise and we say, okay, I'm going to stop shouting here. And let's take into account that maybe our boss isn't making more money. Their costs have risen too. And let's sit back and say, what can I do about it for myself? One of the things that I do think we can do is shop around 
when I was putting this this episode together, I asked some people how were they affected. On Instagram, I asked, how are you affected by inflation? What's it doing for you? What's it doing to your day-to-day? Some people reported missing some holidays. Some people saying, I had savings and I'm eating into them. That's a dangerous place to be. Some people were really annoyed about the fact that they believed that certain companies were increasing prices and they were basically price gouging. They were taking advantage of the fact that inflation was all over the papers to push up their prices and they believed those price increases were well and above inflation and weren't warranted. Remember, we know inflation is not equal and different businesses are going to be affected differently. But what I would say there is, is if you feel that that's the case, the first thing is I'd say is ask the business. Why did you have to go up from that? And listen to what they have to say. But if you're not satisfied and you do believe and you're in the, of the opinion, no, these guys are just taking advantage of the inflation situation. They're bumping up their prices more than they need to just to try and profiteer off it. Well, then vote with your feet. Don't shop there anymore. Don't buy from that business anymore. And very quickly, demand and supply will mean they'll readjust their prices and you can go back to using them again if you want to. You need to make a decision. I don't believe that across the board companies are increasing prices to try and price gouge. I think everyone's just trying to get through this. I think everyone, all businesses, just want to make sure that their business remains healthy. And yes, their business remains profitable. But they also accept that prices can't be increased dramatically because they will lose customers. If you think this company's doing that, let them lose customers and let them learn the hard way. But don't paint every business with the same brush. So you can shop in different places. You can buy services from different places. That's one of the things that you can do inside your door in order to try and get through this. But there's something else I really want you to try. I want you to print off or put your bank statements into Excel. Every bank account at this stage will allow you to dump them into Excel. You don't need to be an Excel genius. And you know what? If you don't want to do it in Excel, that's fine. Just get it up on your phone. And I want you to look at the last three months. And I want you to take out a pen and piece of paper if you're doing it with just with your phone in your hand. Or if you're doing it with Excel, you'll know what you, what you need to do here. And I want you to go through every single line on your bank statement. I don't want you to sit down and look at three months all in one go. I want you to promise yourself every Saturday morning or every Tuesday evening or whatever suits you, I'm going to go through 25 line items and I'm going to look through each of them and I'm really going to question myself, could I cut that? Could I get rid of it? Do I really need it? Could I get it cheaper? And put together an action list for you to say, what stuff has crept into my life that I just don't need? Go after the electricity bill, the gas bill. Get on to CRU.ie. That's the Regulations Utility, the Commission for Regulation Utility. They have a list of companies that are authorised to move you from one electricity and gas provider to another electricity and gas provider. Usually there's about three companies up there that are authorised to do that. These three companies are in competition with each other to make it really easy for customers to move from one provider to another. Get your ESB bill and your gas bill Get them both, sit down in front of CRU, pick one of the companies and go and move your electricity if you haven't done it recently and your gas if you haven't done it recently and get that cheaper. The light switch, when you switch it, the colour of the light coming out of the bulb in the sitting room is going to be the same colour regardless of the electricity provider you're with. There should be no loyalty to electricity providers or gas providers. The house still heats up the same way. So move as often as you possibly can to get cheaper rates. Look at all the line items and don't try and do it all at once. Tackle it bit by bit. Could you get your mortgage cheaper? Could you get your 
broadband cheaper? Do you need all the extra packages you have on your television package? Do you need the sports? Maybe you do. Maybe it's what's important to you. But when's the last time you watched a movie there and you didn't watch it on some other streaming service like Netflix or Disney or Paramount or whoever else you're using? Lovely little trick. If you're paying for five people to be able to log into your Netflix at any given time, drop back to the basic where two people can log in at any given time. If you've got a big household and you think, oh, it's going to cause consternation, see how long it takes for the consternation to be caused. I guarantee you it'll be take much longer than you expected. And the lovely one about dropping your Netflix back to two, two people logging in at the same time is you'll very quickly find out that your ex is still using your Netflix. And it's a great little feeling when you do. So, you need to go through each line item. Don't bite off more than you chew. Small, quick wins is what you want to do. Once you get your quick win, once you've identified a win, put it away, get the win across the line, and then move on. And it'll encourage you to come back to it again. We need to look after the little stuff, but we also need to look after the big stuff. Inflation does look like it's settling out. It does look like it's starting to plateau. We've had interesting rate decisions in the last little while from the Fed Reserve, the UK, and the one that's important to us, the European Central Bank. I think we're getting near the top unless something major happens. And I think we are on the road to 2025 being the time where we're starting to hit that 2%. Even Irish central bank figures suggest I think it was 2.4% by 2025. We have got through the worst of it. It might stay here for a while, but you've done the hard work. You've got to hear. Just keep going and it will settle off. And we will eventually, over time, have increases in wages over time that will bring us back to equilibrium again times are hard but you know what we learn from everything that we're going through and if it spurs you on to get your bank statements out and start stripping out the stuff that's adding no value to your life that's a good thing that's it for this week Thanks to my guest, Fiona, obviously from the office. Thanks for her coming in. Thanks to Mirren. One of the things that always happens with these things, you don't get the full interview with Mirren or any of our guests. It's just not possible to get it all in there. But you can actually go and watch the full interview with Mirren and I. And there was lots of other bits that didn't make the cut only because of time. They were really good quality stuff that you should hear about. So go listen to the full interview or go and watch the full interview with Mirren and I because I think you'll get something from that too. As ever... I do thank you for your time. I do thank you for listening. Do us a favour. Go off and hit that subscribe button. 